Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Good morning, everyone. Glad you're here. You can be seated this morning. We appreciate you being here this morning on a Sunday morning here to worship the Lord. We're glad you're here. In fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, you're in the right place at the right time right now. We we are in this series that uh, uh, we started uh, about a month ago, and it's called Yahweh, and basically what we're talking about is the biblical names of God. And in Scripture, God gives himself several Hebrew names that describe him, but they really are for our benefit. And one that I talked about, El Shaddai, God All-Powerful. I talked about Abba Father on Father's Day, that he's our wonderful Father in Heaven. I talked about uh, Jehovah Rapha, he's our healer. And so there's several names in Scripture, and each name of the Lord is a description of his character. Each name is also a declaration of his commitment to his people. God does everything that his name declares. How many are thankful for that? And when we go through these divine names, they're integral to who God is. And that's why I believe we need to be familiar with these names. You're going to run across many of these names, especially in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, they reference these names. And so I want you to understand what these names mean and why they're mentioned in the Scripture. And so uh, we're going to read a few verses of Scripture in just a moment. Uh, one of my favorite stories that I believe it will apply to your life. And so let me pray as we dive into this message. So, Father, we thank you today for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, today that you are Jehovah uh, Rapha, you are a healer. God, today we thank you that you're Abba Father, that you're Al Shaddai. Lord, we thank you that you're Jehovah Nisi, you're our protector, you're our banner today. And God, I pray that we would be open. And Lord, always remember who you are. And God, that you live up to your name today. We pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, God, that I declare your word. And that the people would hear the voice behind the voice. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. All of us today are probably familiar with taking risks. How many have ever taken a risk? And they say that wise people actually take calculated risk. In other words, you kind of look at your odds and say, okay, this is, uh, uh, I'm going to take a risk because uh, you look at maybe an investment that you're going to make or uh, you're going to invest some time or energy or money or your reputation on something. And so you, most of us uh, will look at what it will cost us. Is the cause worth the cost? Is the reward worth the risk? I was looking at the risk of people that gamble. I know there's no one here that gambles, so I'm going to talk about gambling, and I know there's no one that goes to Vegas here or any of that. And I was surprised to find that Las Vegas had the absolute worst odds of you winning. They call the house edge. And basically, they've designed every game and everything that you play at the casino that basically you're going to throw away your money. The odds that you're going to come out winning are very slim 
to none. And they built in this edge. And they talked about how the casinos make billions of dollars each year because they know you're not going to beat them. They know they have the upper hand. The odds are with them and not with you. In fact, they said if you played the lottery, a lot of us, we think, oh, I'm going to win the lottery. They said your chances of going to the moon are greater than you winning the lottery. That's, that's how the odds are. When you begin to look at all of these different things, and most of us today, we don't realize that all of these odds are against us, and yet people will throw away the, You might as well just give your money to the kingdom if you're going to throw away your money like that, right? And so there's a lot of odds out there that many of us, you know, sometimes we think about. Maybe you think, well, what are the odds that I'm going to die in a car wreck? And it's really like one in a hundred that you'll actually die in a car wreck. Uh, that you'll be murdered, it's one in 300. That you'll die in a fire, it's one in 800. That you'll die of electrocution, it's one in 5,000. That you die in a flood, it's one in 30,000. That you'll die in a tornado, it's one in 60,000. That you'll die by a venomous bite from a snake or something, it's one in 100,000. Now, the chances of you being struck by lightning is basically one in 2.8 million that you will be struck by lightning. Yet there is a man, you can look him up, his name is Roy Sullivan. He was a forest ranger. He got struck by lightning seven times. Yes, it's true. You can look it up. And he lost most of his hair because uh, three or four times his hair was literally on fire. Uh, the many times that he got struck by lightning and he just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. In fact, when people would, uh, when there would be a storm, people would be around him, they would say goodbye to him. They didn't want to be around that guy because they, they didn't want to be struck by lightning. So there could be times in our lives where we feel like the odds are against us uh, when things are happening in our lives and said, man, uh, the odds are against us. And so sometimes there are people like that that feel like the odds are against them and it ruins their day. Let's look at a few pictures here and you can tell this guy, why don't you put a picture here? Now this, this particular thing, you may be looking at what's going on here. Well, this guy moved into an apartment. It was new. And he didn't realize that uh, what would happen is he would come home from the gym. And before jumping into that pool, he said, man, I'm going to take a shower first. So he jumped into that shower. And then he thought, well, you know, they have the spare towel. So he started using the towel. And he didn't realize some guy says, hey, do you realize that that shower is for dogs? And that spare towel is what they use to dry the dogs with. And, he, and the guy told him, what did you think this little blue thing was? He goes, oh, I thought that's where they took babies a bath. And that was his first time talking about having a bad day. And he'd done that for months already. Go ahead and show the next picture. This girl right here working at Home Depot. When you don't put the paint and, and lock it in, this is what happens to you right here. You're having a bad day. Why don't you go ahead to the next one? I'll do as many as I can. This little girl, she couldn't wait to get a cat, not realizing that she's allergic. Yeah, it's terrible. I know. The next picture. This is what happens when you're trying to juice up in the morning and you don't put that juicer right instead in there. <laughs> Be careful, you kill yourself. Go ahead the next time. This person is one of those uh, vacuum things, and I guess the, uh, the dog pooped, and then that thing just went all over the house. 
What is it called? The Rumba thing or whatever it's called? Roomba, Roomba, yeah. That pretty much did that. Go ahead to the next picture. And this guy, someone crashed into his car, moved him up the sidewalk, and the parking guy gave him a ticket. So he not only did, you know you're having a bad day when those things happen. Go ahead to the next one. And so this guy, he saw this hole in a tree, wanted to know what was in there, and he found out. <laughs> and I don't know if there's, is there another one? Is that, is that it? That's pretty much it. All right. So you know you're having a bad day when all these things are happening. And do you ever feel like everything is ganging up on you? You feel like everything is coming against you, and it seems like the odds are overwhelming. And this is where God shows up, and there's a Hebrew name that he calls himself Jehovah Nisi. I am the God who defends you, or I am the God who protects you, or many of us will know Jehovah Nisi as being, I am your banner. In other words, I take care of you when odds are against you. And one of my favorite stories is in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and there are three enemy nations that are coming against the people of Israel. The Bible said that three of these nations surround the people of Israel, and the king at that time is the guy by the name of Jehoshaphat. And he's got a triple threat. He's got all of these uh, nations, three of them, uh, that have come together. They're going to kind of tag team together, and they're going to put, him to put Israel down. And so he's really in a place that, man, he feels overwhelmed. He feels like there's no way I can win uh, these three nations are coming against me, but what he does is he aligns his faith not within his power, but in God's power. And it's a wonderful story because it explains the protection of God. And when we read these stories, I want to say to you that there are principles here that all of us can learn from. And we can apply it in our own lives, in our own relationship, and how we handle the battles of life that come against us. When it seems like the odds are against us, when you're fighting a financial battle, when you're fighting a relational battle, when you're fighting a battle with temptation, when you're dealing uh, with battles of lust or anger or jealousy, envy or resentment, again, I know it doesn't apply to anyone here, or you're fighting this spiritual battle, you can apply these same principles in the battle that you're fighting every day. And so write this down. The first thing you do when you are learn that you're facing a battle is you need to turn to God. Turn to someone and say, turn to God. There you go. Turn to God, right? You don't turn to Facebook. You don't turn to TikTok. You don't turn to social media. You're supposed to be turning to God first. And this is the problem with a lot of people that most of the time we turn to God as a last resort rather than he ought to be the first one we go directly to. And Jehoshaphat, we're going to read the story in just a moment, but he's feeling overwhelmed. He realized that these three nations are coming against him, and he asked God, God, I need your help in this situation. And really, when you look at the odds that are against him, it looks like he's not going to win. It looks like he's going to be overwhelmed. Here's the thing about God. God had the different perspective than you do. How many know he sees the past, the present, and the future all at once? We have a limited perspective in things in life, the what we're facing. And so when we have this limited, limited perspective, we feel like there's no way we can win. And we don't realize the first one we need to turn to is God. 
Prayer is usually something that we do way down the line and it ought to be the first thing we do. Am I right? Prayer should be the first choice. So look at this in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but if you get a chance, go home and read this. I'll read several verses here, though, to give you the, the basis or the foundation of the story. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 says, After this, the armies of the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Minyanites and the cellulites and electrolytes, all of these <laughs> parasites, everybody was there. They declared war on Jehoshaphat. So these three nations declare war on Jehoshaphat. And he was afraid. He was afraid. And so he decided to ask the Lord what to do. How many know that was wise? He saw the odds were against him. And he realized, man, this battle, I can't win it on my own. And so the scripture says he turns to God. Now, I want you to read something really interesting because it says in that first part of that verse of Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1, it says, after this, the armies of the Moabites and all these other nations came against them. And if you read the chapter before that, this is what's really interesting, is that they, that nation or Israel had just finished having a nationwide revival. People were fearing God. People were turning to God for answers. In fact, in Second Chronicles 19, the chapter before that, he gave them these orders. You must serve God faithfully, wholeheartedly. And so there is great joy that's happening but then the bible says after this the three nations came against them how many know sometimes after a great victory you need to be alert of a great battle you may face the devil knows that after your great victory that that many times you're not looking for the battle you don't realize that satan's always looking after you've experienced a great high to get you to get get, get you to experience a great low he does everything he can. You may be on the mountaintop, but he wants you to bring you down to the valley. There are moments in life where you can feel, man, I am so blessed, and yet all of a sudden, that's when the devil shows up. You can, you can, you can just bank this if you want, that the moment you are in victory, be aware that the enemy will show up to make sure you don't enjoy that victory. He knows his strategy you can be soaring like an eagle at the mountaintop, but you can be sure that the enemy will try to get you down in the valley. Trust me, the devil doesn't want you to live in victory, and so he's going to do everything that he can. And so the Bible says the first reaction of this king is the scripture says he was fearful and he was afraid. How many know that's normal? It's normal to be fearful. It's normal. Don't, don't tell me I'm never afraid. You liar. You are, huh? <laughs> I've seen some of the biggest guys. There's a bee. Oh, man, where's the bee? It's like, come on. It's a bee, bro. Come on, man. I remember walking with some, some guys, and, and I was looking at, at the, you know, I don't know how many of you guys ever look at the letter rating of a restaurant, you know, the A, the B, C. And so we were walking in a restaurant. I go, oh, it's the B. And the guy goes, where, where, where? I go, no, the letter is the B. The restaurant's the B. Not there's an actual bee. The guy was jumping around already like, where, where? Don't panic. Everything's okay. And so our first reaction is we're afraid. And these are three nations, again, that are teaming up against the people of God. And here's the thing. Your problem isn't the fear. Your problem is what you're doing with the fear. 
Being fearful in itself is not a sin. It's what you decide to do with that fear that it cause you to stress out, that it cause you to withdraw. Does it demotivate you? Does it destabilize you? Does it discourage you? Does it cause you when you're facing fear to want to throw in the towel, to say, you know what, I'm going to quit. I can't do this anymore. And the moment we get into a battle and an impossible situation, instead of intimidating you, it should motivate you. Oh, nobody said amen to that. Am I preaching? Am I okay here? Well, how in the world is problems going to motivate me? Problems ought to motivate you to pray more. Problems ought to motivate you to trust God more. Problems ought to motivate you to expect more from God. It ought to cause you to depend more on God. It ought to motivate you to prioritize your life. So instead of allowing fear to destabilize you and discourage you, you can use it at a place to motivate you, and that's exactly what happened to Jehoshaphat. The Bible said, number one, he turned to God. Second thing, write this down, he began to talk to God. How many know that's prayer? He began to pray. He turned to God. He's looking to God for answers, and then he began to talk to God in prayer because there's no problem too small or too big that you can't pray about. And look at what the Bible says here, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 5. It says, Then King Jehoshaphat went and stood before them, this entire nation, and he prayed aloud. I said he prayed aloud. Sometimes you need to pray aloud. Sometimes you need to get it out of your mouth and start praying louder. That's a different kind of prayer. We believe in verbal prayer. I, I understand you can pray in your mind and you can be sitting there and all that. But this is what I've noticed. When we, when we pray like that, you normally can be distracted. How many know when you start verbalizing it and you start hearing yourself and you start taking some authority that, that, that uh, you know, the little mumbles that you make, the little quiet prayer, uh, you know, there's moments for that. I get that. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. But there are moments where you got to say enough is enough. I'm going to verbalize it. I'm going to shout. The Bible says he began to speak it out. He began to declare it in front of everybody, uh, and everybody began to hear him because when you pray loud, it keeps your mind focused. Uh, when you pray in your mind, you can wander off. Uh, if you've ever done this, I've done it where I, I'm just kind of, you know, not praying loud and kind of praying to myself, and I'm looking over here, and I go, oh, man, there's a dirty spot over there. Man, God, you know what? I'm going to go clean that in a moment. Oh, man, there's a fingerprint on that window there. I need to, and all of a sudden, I'm not even praying no more. And I'm saying, man, I got to go, what, what can I use for that? How can I clean that out, all right? Come on, nobody's done that. And when you pray aloud, it gets you focused. Jehoshaphat gives us what happened. It gives us an example of what happened when he began to pray. And this is, look, we get to listen in a little bit on his prayer and let's look at what it says here. First, he's reminding himself just exactly who God is. Look at this in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 6. It says, are you not the God who is in heaven? Right? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nation. Power and might are in your hand. And no one can, uh, and no one basically can withstand you. 
So people in faith, it almost sounds as if the guy is reminding God. But in actuality, when they're recounting to God what he's done and the works that he's done, they're not reminding God so much. They're reminding themselves. Are you with me? They're reminding themselves of the promises of God. They're reminding themselves of what God has done in the past. And they're putting, to, they're putting it into remembrance as they're declaring the word, God, you've done this. So he's reminding himself of what God has done before. And it's causing him to speak it in faith. And look at what it says, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 6. God, you're all powerful. Nothing's too hard for you. With God, all things, how many know, are possible, right? You rule over all the kingdoms and all the nations. So listen to what it's saying here. He realizes that these three enemy nations are coming at him, and yet he stops and he begins to declare, declare make this declaration to God. You are Jehovah Nisi. You're, you're all powerful. You're my protector. And he's saying, God, I know this because your promises are are real. And then the second thing is he reminds himself of everything in the past. In other words, sometimes we forget when we're facing a trial, when we're facing a battle, we, we kind of get amnesia. We forget what God's already done. How many remember what God's done in your life, where he brought you from? And the miracles that he's done in the past. And the moment we're facing a new battle, we've forgotten all the other battles we won. We've forgotten all the other things that God has done for us in the past. And in verse 7, it says, didn't you drive out those who lived in this land when your people arrived? He goes all the way back to Moses. He goes all the way back to Joshua. He goes all the way back at the reference points and said, God, I know who you are. I know what you've done in the past. This is part of his prayer. In order to win the battle, you've got to remind yourself of who God is. And the third thing he did is he reminds himself that God can do it again. How many know God can do it again and again and again? And he said, God, can you, can you give us a repeat performance? Can you just do it again? And he said in verse 9, he said, if disasters come upon us, the sword, the judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we, we will stand before this house and before you. Again, this is all prayer. He's verbally praying aloud, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear, and you will save. So he, again, is reminding himself and declaring that, God, can you do this again? In other words, God, are you not? Did you not? Will you not? In other words, you've done all these things in the past. God, I know today that you're going to do it again. Lord, we are counting on you. And I'm here to tell you, if God has done it before, he can do it again in your life. The miracle power of God has not diminished. Amen. I'm preaching better than you're clapping, but that's okay. Number three, write this down. Tell God exactly how you feel. And this is exactly what Jehoshaphat does, is he tells God exactly how he feels. He feels uh, inadequate. He's feeling a little bit afraid and scared. And in verse 7, he says to God in his prayer, we are powerless against this mighty army that's about to attack us. How many have ever felt powerless in your life? You ever feel like, man, I don't know if I can do this. I'm not sure that I can get through this. 
You know, Sunday, you're all excited after the service. Uh, man, it was a great. And, and by Tuesday, you're like, man, you're feeling depressed again. That's why Wednesday's good. Get recharged up right by the middle of the week. That's why we have a midweek service to get you charged up again. But how many of you have ever felt like you're powerless? Like you felt like, man, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I, I don't know if I'm going to have the ability to go forward. I don't know if I'm going to have the ability to move on. There is a poem that goes like this. The world had a hopeful beginning, but man spoiled it by sinning. We trust that the story will end in God's glory, but right now the other side's winning. How many have ever felt like that? Yeah, come on, let's be honest. We felt like that. It's like, man, the other side's winning. It doesn't seem like anything is good. I mean, you look at the videos. You look at the news. Uh, you see people are, are getting robbed in broad daylight. People are getting mugged. People are getting killed. You see people breaking into the stores, walking out with stuff. And you're saying, man, it looked like the other side is winning. It looked like where God is powerless. But I'm here to tell you, God is not powerless. God is as powerful as he's ever been today. And he is unlimited. See, this is the trap that the devil tries to set us up in to get us to think that God can't do it again, to get us to think that, you know what, the Lord is not someone we can trust, and, we, and you can tell God exactly how you feel. Here's the thing is you can tell God exactly how you feel, but you don't have to live in that feeling. I'm not going to live that. I feel this way. I know what's happening. I see the circumstances. But God, today, I know that you can take care of me. I know that you're bigger than the situation. I know that you can turn things around in my life. And this is why number four is what you tell God exactly how you feel. And then at that point, you've got to begin to trust God. Write that down. Number four, begin to trust God. The Bible says in verse 12, we were powerless against this mighty army that's about to attack us, it says, and we don't know what to do, but it says what? Our eyes are on you. Here's the key right here. Put your eyes back on Jesus, not on your circumstances. I've, I've been in situations where like, man, this, this doesn't look good. Man, it doesn't seem like it's going to go right. Man, this is looking kind of scary. This, I'm a little skeptical of what's happening here right now. The, the, this, is, this doesn't seem to be going in the right direction. How many have ever felt that way? And you say, man, and when you're looking at the circumstances, when you're hearing the report, it seems like there's no hope. It seems like, man, the ultimate end is going to be defeat. But then you've got to put your eyes back on God. I tell people all the time, let's pray. Let's, let's put our eyes back on the Lord. Let's trust God. People, they just hate that answer because they want me to come up with this elaborate answer to them. Like, Pastor, I'm coming to you. Here's the issue. And I say, you know what? Let's trust God. That's, that's it? Yep, that's, that's it. God's bigger. Hallelujah. God's large and in charge. That's all I can tell you. We're going to have to trust God. I, I don't have this magical thing and, and magical formula to help your problem. But I know a God that can help you, hallelujah, if we'll trust him, if we'll trust God with your situation. I, I mean, I've had people come with some dire circumstances, some big needs, and it, it seems impossible, and yet I've seen God move supernaturally. I've seen people come in with large amounts of debt, like, Pastor, I, I can't ever pay this off. I can't, I can't ever do this. And we, we had one guy that had, you know, 80000 in child support because he had neglected. Now he got saved because i got to make this right. And I think God supernaturally helped him. 
And beyond anything else, God supernaturally helped them. And I just think God turned things around. I've seen people in dire situations where it seems like there's no way. They lost their job. I'm not going to get a better job. It's not going to happen. And yet God does it. Hallelujah. Get your eyes back on him. Put your eyes back on Jesus. See, the biggest mistake that we make is we put our eyes on the circumstances. We don't look to God and we become overwhelmed. We put our eyes on the problem instead of on God. Have you ever asked people, how are you doing? They say, well, okay, under the circumstances. So why are you under the circumstances? Why are you not on top of the circumstances? Why are you under? Why, why is everything, why is everything on, on piled on top of you? What are you doing under the circumstances? Circumstances ought to be like a mattress, man. You just go right to bed on top of them, right? Am I right? Or you sleep under the mattress and you'll suffocate. That's what happens when you don't put your eyes on God. Is you're looking at all the circumstances. You're focusing on all the problem. And you're discouraged. And you're not focused on God. And the issue is turn back to God. Amen. Talk to God. Trust God. Tell God what's going on. And that begins to change your whole focus. Look at what it says in verse 15. It says, this is what the Lord says to you. God speaking back. Do not be afraid. Amen. Or discouraged because of this vast army. King Hezekiah is speaking on behalf of God because God spoken to him. For the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Hallelujah. The battle doesn't belong to you. The battle belongs to God. That's our problem many times is we're trying to fight the battle on our own and the battle's not yours, the battle is God. God's telling them, calm down. Remember that word, kami, kami, calm down. Trust God. The reason why you're so fatigued, the reason why you're so stressed, the reason why you're so vulnerable is you're trying to fight the battle that doesn't belong to you, it belongs to God. This battle belongs to God. You're trying to fight battles that, that you can't fight on your own. Somebody say amen. You're assuming the role that God has instead of letting God take that role. You're trying to do everything out of your own power, out of your own sheer willpower. You're trying to do it yourself. You're trying to resolve everything. You're trying to resolve all the difficulties in your own wisdom. You're struggling to fight everything and God says, the battle belongs to me. It doesn't belong to you. Stop trying to fight God's battles. I said, stop trying to fight God's battles. Hallelujah. You need to get your trust back in God today. And here's the issue that's going on here. Because I've seen a lot of people, man, they're trying to fight the battle on their own. And all of a sudden, they get discouraged. They're looking back. It's hard. And then, and then they said, man, I've let God down. You ever, you ever talk to people that get discouraged? I think I've let God down. Can I tell you, you were never holding God up. Am I right? Uh, you were just never, you didn't let him down. You were never holding him up to begin with. But a lot of us, we think, I let God down. Can I tell you today, you, you haven't let God down. God was never being held up by you. He knew exactly what was going on. He was trying to get you to trust him. He was trying to get you to put your eyes back on him. Can you say amen? And, 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 and here's I, I, what I've noticed with a lot of people is they're trying to fight their own battle, doing everything they can on their own. And then at the last resort said, okay, now I need God's help. Why, why don't you turn to God before that? 
I was thinking of this, and I know it's kind of a little corny, but I'm going to use it anyway. I was thinking of uh, the Flintstones. How many remember the Flintstones? Anybody? Yeah. Okay, you just told me your age. Okay. So why don't you put the picture up of the Flintstones? Remember the Flintstones? There you go. There's Fred and Wilma, Pebbles. Is it Bam Bam, I think? And uh, what's the other one's name? Betty. Wow. There you go. You are telling me your age at that point. And the Dino back there is Dino, right? Anyway, what, what I want you to notice, in order to get that car started, they had to, they had to you know, get their feet pedaling. Remember all that? And then somehow the car would get started. I don't know how I did that. I'm thinking all those stones, how could they make all that thing move? But anyway, here they are. They're, they're, they're doing everything they can. They have to struggle with their feet. They got to pedal to get this car going, and then it starts going, right? Can you imagine? I think there's a lot of Christians like that. Can you imagine that if you went out in the parking lot and, and uh, uh, you just started getting out there, and all of a sudden you, you know, instead, you, you started, you know, instead of starting the car, you just started saying, well, I'm going to push this car going. The usher said, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you trying to pedal this car? You had your whole family trying to, all you had to do is start the car. Am I right? And the car would go on its own. Am I right? There's a lot of believers like that. You're pedaling to trying to settle your own problems on your own. You're like the Flintstones. Yabba, yabba, do. That's what you're trying to do, right? You're not trusting the engine. You're trying to do everything you can to manage your life. You're trying to do it on your own with your family, with your marriage, listen to me, with all your problems, all your issues, and, and you're just like Fred Flintstone again. You're going back to the dark ages, trying to get everything going, and this battle doesn't belong to you. You're pedaling emotionally. You're putting all your stress and everything. You're trying to do it all in your own power, and man, all you have to do is get in your car and start it. Can I tell you today, all you got to do is put your eyes back on Jesus, and he'll fight the battle for you. Can you say amen? That's the truth. And here, this is a very unusual battle because in verse 17, it says, Stand strong in your places, and you will see what? The Lord save you. In other words, this is an important truth. In other words, God is going to be the one that's going to work it out. He says, God is the one. He's Jehovah Nisi. He's the one that's going to fight your battle. And here's the important thing about knowing that is God, when you have God on your side, who else do you need? And the other thing is God's never lost a battle. Can you say amen? amen. And he says, stand strong. How do, what are you standing strong on? You're standing strong on God's character and you're standing strong on God's word. That's how we are going to make it today. Is we're not going to try to run things in our own life by our own self, but we're going to trust in the character and in the word of God. In verse 20 it says, have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. That's God's character. And have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. When it said the prophet, the word that the prophet has spoken. In other words, have faith in the promises of God. When you have faith in God's word, when you have faith in God's character, the Bible says, amen, that's when you know God's going to fight the battle for you. Can you say amen? And the last thing here, you can write this down. Number five, thank God in advance. 
That's the key. When you turn to God, when you talk to God, when you tell God the situation, when you trust God, then you thank God in advance. Look at what it says here in verse 21, 2 Chronicles 20. Then the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army to the Lord and praising him. This was what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. Now, this is a very unusual way to organize your army. Jehoshaphat's battle plan, listen to me, his battle plan was to put the choir in front of the army. How many know Patton would have fainted had we told him that, right? <laughs> yeah, we're going to put the singers up in here. Could you imagine before Jehoshaphat even told them the plan? He said, well, how many here, uh, 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 you know, do we have any worshipers here, any singers here? And if you're in the army, he said, yeah, man, I'll, I'll sing. And yeah, I, I've been in a choir. Yeah, you know, when I was in church, I sang. So they got him and goes, okay, we're putting you in the front. Man, I can't, man, <clears throat> I, I don't sing that well. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. No, no, we're putting all of you, we're putting the whole worship team up in the front. All the singers are going to be in the front of the battle. So in other words, here, here is the choir. Here is the singer. Could you imagine uh, my son Omar uh, uh, up in the front of the battle leading the worship team right in the front of, and, and these three nations are coming against uh, And we say, yeah, yeah, you guys get up there. Just lead us in worship. We're going to do it. Like, are you crazy? You mean the guitar? Yeah, yeah. Just, just take it up there. All the sound system. And, and we're going to win this battle. I mean, it was crazy to think of this strategy, but God had given Jehoshaphat a strategy, and the strategy was that we're going to win this battle by thanking God and praising God in advance, and that's going to give us the victory. Can you say amen? That the battle belongs to the Lord. And so the Bible says that's exactly what they did. At verse 22, at that moment, they began to sing, and they began to praise God, and the Lord called the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir to begin fighting among themselves and they destroyed each other. So it caused confusion in the enemy camp that they fought against each other rather than fighting against the people of Israel. There's something that happens in the power of praise and in the power of worship. How many thank God for that? There's victory that takes place. This is why it's so essential when we come together and we worship God that no matter what you're going through, no matter what your day's been, what your week's been, uh, come to the altar. Come and worship God. Take a moment to worship God. And I tell you, it, it just something begins to change. And maybe you came to church, man, and, and you were arguing on, on the way to, uh, you know, to church with your wife. Like she, you know, she didn't get ready on time. She's running behind. I, I know that never happens here, but, but it, you know, you're, you're okay, come on, we're going to get late. And now you're in the car and you're all mad at each other. You know, you come and you, you know, pray the Lord, brother. You know, you put that fake smile on. But, but, but honestly, by time you get in, maybe you're not in a good mood, but man, when the worship starts. The battle belongs to the Lord. Can you say amen? Say, God, here it is. You know what? I, 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 you know, this week hasn't been great. I've already got an argument with my wife. Uh, I've had a bad week maybe like some of these guys. But God, the battle belongs to you. And you begin to worship God and something begins to break. How many thank God for that? Something begins to break. I believe that today. I believe a lot of things can be broken in our worship. I believe a lot of things can be broken in prayer. 
that a lot of us are trying to figure out things and you need to turn your eyes back on God. That maybe, it, maybe as you begin to surrender these issues to God, he can handle them more than you can. Can you say amen? That you're trying to fight your own battle and this is why you're not getting victory. I just learned in my life that I'm just going to worship at those times. I'm going I'm to I'm turn to God more in prayer. You know, many times when I'm facing issues, let me just say this to you. Have you ever had a problem in your life that you had to deal with and you respond quickly, too quickly, and you make more of a mess of it? You ever that ever happen? You heard somebody said this and you go, I'm going to call them right now. And you don't even know all the detail. And you start chewing them out or you get all mad and you, you realize it's nothing like you thought, but because you, you didn't pray, you didn't turn to God, you didn't wait, that you made more of a mess of it. Or you heard something happen and you, right away you, you put your hand in it and you just made it worse. And I've just learned in my life, you know, you know before I address that, I, I need to pray a little bit. I need to worship God a little bit. Before I address that issue, I need to pray. I need to talk to God. I need to get the peace of God, that God, okay. And then somehow God will give me a strategy many times. And by the time I approach it, it's nothing like I thought it was. And God deals with it a lot better than I can. How many know God can handle your issues better than you can, right? He can. Here, here's what happens after the enemy is destroyed because of worship. The enemy is destroyed because of praise. It's defeated. And look at what it says, verse 25. So Jehoshaphat... And his, went, his men went off to carry off all the plunder. This is all the spoils from the war and the battle, everything that they had. And they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and articles of value, much more than they could carry. In other words, they were so blessed. There was so much plunder that it took them, what, three days to collect it. How many would just thank God, man, if you just so much cash, it took you three days to count it. Amen. <laughs> And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barak, Baraka, where they prayed the Lord. And this is why it's called the valley of Baraka to this day, which means the valley of blessing. Jehovah Nisi got them to a place of victory and blessing. Can you say amen? And it came... When they begin to turn to God, when they begin to talk to God, it came when they begin to tell God what was going on. It came because they begin to trust God, and it came because they finally begin to thank God in advance, and the victory came. I believe a lot of our victory and a lot of our uh, issues, how we're going to win the battle in our life today, is the battle belongs to God. I said Jehovah Nishi. I said he's Jehovah Nishi today. He's our banner. He's our protector. He can handle your battle right now. I don't know what you're going through. I just believe God wants to give some people some victory. God wants to give you, give you victory over depression, over anxiety, over stress in your life. You're, you're just trying to fight too many battles on your own. You, you're not going to win, man. You're going to lose. But if the battle belongs to God, believe me, you'll see the victory. Let's pray. Can we pray for just a moment? Father, we thank you today for your grace. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.